What are the lies that we believe about love in today's culture? Sometimes we can say that we love our dog, we love our favorite sports team, we love our neighbor, our spouse, the creator of the universe, but sometimes Christians are often accused of being unloving when they say they oppose the LGBTQ agenda or when they vote a certain way. Well, we're gonna unpack what that means and we're gonna look at some of those different issues in this episode of The Unapologetic Show. Hello, Thinking Christians. Welcome to the Unapologetic Show, where we defend truth without compromise with Dr. Bobby Conway, the one-minute apologist. I'm your host, Tim Hall. Well, Bobby, before we get to these uh, lies, we talk about a lot of different uh, things that are going on in our culture in this episode. Uh, I just wanted to kind of revisit some stuff. You got some new ink here, as everyone can see, uh, since the last time that we uh, were in the studio. We're actually back in the studio. We were in my dining room before. I know, that's right, yeah. (laughs) But we had an opportunity to have Dawson and Heather on the show and just talk about some mental health stuff in the month of May, so uh, I thought that was pretty cool, Mm -hmm. and things are are going pretty well from the uh, unapologetic and from Image Church. Is any updates that you wanted to give on Image Church or uh, one-minute apologists at this point? Well, I think it's been a lot of fun for us uh, to be able to plant a church again, Yeah, and uh, fun is not typically the word people think about (laughs) when planting a church, but you're right there in the middle of it with us, and uh, we're so thankful uh, that we've got this, uh, you know, growing community of people who are passionate about our vision and mission, and it's just been a lot of fun. Uh, the challenge for us has been our service time. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we having to meet in the evening, and a lot of people don't want to come out at that time, and so it's so difficult to find space where we are. But I'm so passionate as a pastor and as a Christian apologist about bringing those two worlds together in the local church, because I really do feel like we need to equip Christians uh, to be unapologetic yeah. uh, by giving a proper apologetic for uh, you know the defensibility of the Christian worldview. And we're living in scrambled times, man. Yeah. I mean, just in these last few weeks, um, you know, when we're recording this, at the time we're recording this, uh, last night we all got downloaded with the news of this horrific shooting that right. took place in Texas. Yeah. And then you had the shooting that took place at uh, the South Korean church in Laguna Woods, California. Yeah. And then we also had the shooting that took place in Buffalo, which right. was uh, racially uh, you know, motivated yeah. by the, uh, the, the person. So it's just really sad. To, and I think we scramble asking what is going on and what's our proper way forward. And I think that this is a great time for the church to step up and really meet some needs. So I'm thankful to be a part of church ministry for such a time as this. Right. Well, and again, just the the nature of the church, how the church has responded, it goes directly to our topic today. We're talking about love. So uh, you kind of mentioned some kind of current events that are going on. When when Christians respond to, to sin of those inside the church or outside the church, sometimes onlookers will often say that, that that's not loving, that they shouldn't be doing that. That, that's a very unloving way to respond, even in times with uh, crisis where, you know, the church is saying, you know, we send thoughts and prayers. People can say, oh, well, that's totally unloving, yeah. right? Just you got to do more than just the thoughts and the prayers thing. So, Bobby, what are some other examples where, you know, kind of in our current context where, where onlookers of the church, non-Christians kind of looking into how the church is responding to some of these things would say that maybe the church has responded incorrectly or that they're being unloving? Well, I would say... You just brought up a point that is important. 
a lot of times like on Twitter feed or on Instagram or Facebook, mm-hmm. people will criticize the statement, our thoughts or prayers are with you. Yeah. So take, for example, uh, some of the current events that I just mentioned. Uh, you know, We think about the shooting that took place in Texas, or we think about the racial shooting in uh, Buffalo, Buffalo yeah. or we think about even in Florida, uh, you know, with all of the stuff that's been going down there with what kind of education kids can be entitled to as it relates to uh, LGBTQ stuff. I mean, it's a mess. But when it comes to these things like shootings per se, uh, if we say as Christians, oh, our thoughts or prayers are with you, some people are quick to jump on it and say, mm-hmm. that's not enough. Right. Uh, well, we're not saying it is enough, like we need to do more than just pray, but it is something. And so I think that the the, the criticism is false from people. They should step back and reflect that it's it's a gesture of love um, for somebody to say, I'm going to take time to pray for you. So for example, we've been invited at Image Church to partner with another church uh, tonight. uh, And I know when our listeners... uh, view this or hear this, it'll be dated a little bit, but we've been invited to partner with another church for a prayer vigil. Um, I I suppose some could say, oh, you know, that's not enough, but I think that hearts are burdened and are coming together and are asking the creator of this world to be able to soften things. So we live in a time where I just don't think we know what love is, Tim. Mm -hmm. And I think that not having a proper definition of love has us confused. So some people walk around and they think that the most loving thing they can do is just point out everybody's sin. Right. But then you have other people that uh, they think that the most unloving thing they can do is to point out somebody's sin. Right. And so we go mum, right? right? Mum right. is the word. Right. No, and I would completely agree. I mean, some other current events that are going on is recently this, uh, the Southern Baptist convention came out with a, yeah. a pretty scathing report on, uh, abuse allegations. Yep. Um, everyone from, you know, adults to women to children. And, uh, there was a, a lack of action, you know, in, mm-hmm. in the SBC on, on moving on some of those things or, or taking the proper, um, you know, whether they're calling the authorities or whether they actually just need to remove the person or put them on leave. Or, or just kind of disciple them through what they were going on, including uh, a past president, right? Too. Right, yeah. exactly, exactly. So I think you know when the church is looking at some of those things, they're saying, "Well, guys, you got to do something about this." Yeah. And, and on one hand, people would say, "Well, the most loving thing that we can do is we can continue to keep them in their position and support them and try to guide them through this." And on the other side, my people might be saying, "No, oh, those people got to be out. They got to be canceled. They got to yeah. be out." Uh, I think another area of of love that's kind of going on in our our, our immediate context is the overturning of Roe. How are churches going to love? I mean, we really need to be thinking about this. How are churches going to love women uh, if Roe is overturned? Or it may be at this point when you're watching it, Roe has been overturned or the ruling has come out. We don't know yet. But I think we have an opportunity as a church to uh, re-examine what that might look like and then love as Jesus loved. And we're going to kind of talk about what some of that means here uh, coming up in the rest of this episode. Um, so, Bobby, let, let's talk about kind of these four lies, and maybe we can do that in the context of what the Bible says about love. What are some of the lies that we often believe about love? I was putting uh, together a, a Facebook post for Image Church yeah. uh, a couple weeks ago, and I just started jotting down some of the lies that we believe as it relates to love as a church culture. Yeah. and. One of the lies that we believe is that, you know, if I love somebody, I can't put up relational boundaries. Mm. But that's just not true. Yeah. Um, 
relational boundaries sometimes are needed in order to protect the relationship from completely being obliterated. There are plenty of married couples out there that know what it's like, that they're trying to put some boundaries up with maybe their in-laws mm, that's, <laughs> to protect them uh, from making sure that they can develop their kids with the values that they want because maybe yep. they try to parent their their kids and then maybe the in-laws come along and what do they do? They start undoing everything mom and dad is trying to do. Right. Well, when grandparents don't respect the wishes of parents as it relates to uh, the raising of their kids there will come a need for some boundaries. Yes. Uh, when you're in a toxic environment with maybe a, a spouse that is abusing alcohol or drugs, mm. you need to put some relational boundaries up. Right. And it's not um, unloving to do that. Love does not mean you never put up relational boundaries. There's a real need for that in lots of relationships, yeah. in the workplace, in the home, and yes, even in the church. Another thing that uh, we can look at is there is a misconception as it relates to love that thinks that you could never disagree with anyone. Right, yeah. yeah. And this is all over the place, right? When you think about our culture, this is my fear that the churches went in the closet. Mm. Like, oh, I can't disagree with anybody about LGBTQ movement, yeah. or I can't disagree with somebody about the abortion issue like that you just brought up. Yeah. I can't disagree with anybody. So uh, because the church in some ways has been told that they were bullies to the culture. Yeah. But the problem is, is the church has been bullied into silence, believing that if they speak, they're being unloving. Right. And that is a problem too. So yeah. we need to come out of the closet, right? Like mm -hmm. I've said before, everyone else is out of the closet except the church. <laughs> right. They've went in it. Right. And it's time for the church to come out and realize, hey, it's not unloving to disagree with people. Yeah. Another aspect that I talk about is I'll say, um, you know, it's not unloving uh for you to speak out about things. Right. So, so people, they think, oh, if I'm loving, I'll never speak out against anything. But that's not true. Yeah. Uh, we need to speak out against things. Jesus spoke out against things. The right. prophets spoke out against things. The judges spoke out against things. The apostles did. And we're expected to. Yeah. If Martin Luther never spoke out against the corruption of the church right. uh, with posting his 95 thesis there on the Wittenberg Castle Church in 1517 of October 31st, we wouldn't have had a reformation. Correct. Uh, so yeah. it took some courage and some chutzpah to speak out. I think the final thing, Tim, that I would just mention is I, I, I so I've said like, here's what love um, and basically unity does not mean biblically, that you can never put up relational boundaries, right. that you can never disagree with anyone, right. that you can never speak out about anything, and then finally that you can never be divisive. Right. Now that's like a shocking one too. Like, yeah. wait, um, we believe the lie that if we're being divisive, we're being unloving always. Right. But there are times where the church has to be divisive. Luther's heart was not to be divisive. Right. He didn't want to break off, but for the sake of the gospel, uh, that ended up taking place. And so I would say there are times where relationships and immorality get so bad that 
there is a, a dividing line that needs to be drawn. Right. Yeah, there is kind of that line in the sand. I, I loved all four of those. I think that's amazing. Um, so l- let's talk a little bit then in, in that context was kind of that understanding. How then the, does the Bible describe love? We talked about some things that we that love may not be, right? Love mm-hmm. love allows for boundaries to be putting up. Love, love allows for disagreement. Love allows for speaking out. Uh, love allows for there to be some clear lines drawn in the sand. So where would we go in the Bible to really understand what love is if we want to try to live this out. Well, I think that, uh, you know, the, the great passage is right there in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right? <laughs> Where it talks about, you know, what love is. Yeah. See, one of the problems that we're up against in our culture in America is we have a, a word that is kind of vague. We yeah. talk about, hey, love. And what do we mean by that? Uh, is love just a feeling or is love more than a feeling? Right. Or uh, is love not a feeling? It's just an action, uh, is, uh, you know, a verb. Right. Uh, can it be both? And so, as I mentioned in our culture, um, you know, they have skewed views about love. Like, if you love me, you just accept whatever I do. If you love me, you won't confront me. If you love me, you'll never divide from me. Right. If you love me, you'll never put up any relational boundaries. And so we start hearing that in the church. And really what's happening is, is we're, we're loving the culture the way that the culture is telling us to love them mm. instead yeah. of loving them the way that God's told us to love them. How does God teach us to love? Well, I think in the Greek, there were different words for love, right? Yeah. Like there was phileo, which would be a brotherly love, or eros, which mm. was uh, you know, a sexual love. Uh, storge uh, is another type of love where you, know, you, got, you have friendship love and you have family or familial love. Right. Um, but the kind of love that God invites us to model inside and outside the church is an agape love, uh, which is unconditional love. Now, this is what confuses people in the church. Wait a second. If I'm to love people unconditionally, then doesn't that mean that I am never to put any conditions up? Right. Right. Well, Yes, you aren't to quit loving somebody like like you need to want the best for somebody, but that doesn't mean there's not some borders that get put in place because even Paul in his great magnum opus on love in 1 Corinthians 13 where he talks about love is patient, love is kind, da, 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 yep. he's writing to a group of people that, I mean, look, the, the Corinthians were jacked up. I mean, they were getting inebriated. Uh, on communion. Yeah. Now, I mean, I've heard of some pretty <laughs> blasphemous things, but this right. group is coming together. You got a guy sleeping with his, uh, you know, Mother, stepmother. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just a complete disaster. They're divided. They're showing leadership favoritism. They're they're abusing the spiritual gifts. They are completely messed up. And Paul wants to show them a better way, mm. a way of love. And so, love, yes, it's unconditional, but it doesn't mean. It doesn't challenge. So Paul was modeling agape love even when he was calling out the sin right. of the Corinthians for getting inebriated, for you know abusing the spiritual gifts, and for all their divisiveness. Right, right. I mean, and again, there's several times, so we can kind of just stick in this, you know, First Corinthians here. Uh, what we often do, I see, is we we put our own current understanding of these words, and we're not drawing the understanding of the text out of them. Right. So we're we're using our own subjective. We're saying that's right. It it love is patient and love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not arrogant or rude. So we say if I I interpret your actions to me as rude, then I can interpret that you didn't love me. And that's where we have to go back to the context of the Bible, what, he, what he's talking about, what's going on here. Um, because I think that there would obviously be this conflict between if 
Paul is calling out somebody for having an adulterous relationship, uh, that is correct. He should be doing that. But their interpretation of his words as not being patient or not being loving or being rude or arrogant wouldn't then make them unloving. Right. Uh, am, I, am I tracking? Right. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, we're to speak the truth in love. I think what we've done today is we ditched the truth right. with a false conception of love. Right. right. It's like, we'll just ditch the truth. Uh, and right now, we need to know what the truth is in order to speak the truth. Right. I mean, we think about like the wrath of God. I mean, the wrath of God is something where um, it's very evident with, with the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, the bowl judgments in the book of Revelation uh, that we see are going to be uh, poured out. And we think about God, God is agape. Right. He's unconditional in his love, yet he still, uh, you know, can have a righteous wrath right. and a righteous anger. Right. You know, and speak out righteously, be angry and do not sin. So, what we have to do is. Uh, realize that some people in the past have absolutely uh, become these uh, have become moral police to the culture right throwing right. moral grenades seeming angry mad uh, vitriolic and there are Christians going man I don't want to be associated with that yeah I think that there's a way for us to hold the truth without compromise mm. and just having a little bit more taste in the way that we communicate things, uh, the way that we share things, but we have to hold those two uh, tensions together: truth and grace, yeah. love and you know, righteous anger. I mean, these right. things go together. Yeah, totally. Well, I think that leads us to kind of my, one of my next questions: is like, how how might love look different between uh, you know, kind of two Christians that are one, loving one another and a Christian and kind of a non-Christian, someone that's outside the church? What what differences should should we see mm. uh, in those two different kind of arenas, basically? So when it comes to our expectations of one another as Christians, mm -hmm. we're held to a higher standard. Right. And uh, when it comes to the world, uh, we don't expect them to live like Christians when they're not. But we do expect them to have a sense of morality. Yeah. Uh, so as Christians, we would never look at non-Christians and say, oh, they can just go around and do whatever they want because they don't know Jesus. No, we'd never say that because the moral law is written on their heart. Right. So they have an understanding of morality that they are to be held uh, accountable to uh, before the court of law right. uh, and all that. But inside the church, um, yeah, there are there are boundaries, and and and, and, and those boundaries are uh, can be even tighter the more you go up. So, you know, you, there's leaders like elders mm -hmm. and deacons, and we can look in First Timothy chapter three or Titus chapter yeah. one, and we can see some of the standards that are there. But none of this means we're unloving. We're it's like like people talk about. Oh, we need accountability in our lives. Well. How many people want to just get together with somebody who's always looking to hold them accountable? <laughs> I think we want people who genuinely care about us, that yeah. love us. And when we mess up, they're they're there for us to exhort us to Christ-likeness. Mm -hmm. So I think the way it looks different in the church is we're using the Bible, yeah. and we're looking at who Christ is, and we're calling each other up uh, in a loving, encouraging way to follow the model. And when we fall short of that, we're not there to just beat the person up, but we're not there just to condone it either. Right. We're there to speak the truth in love. When it comes to the outside world, well, we're not putting them at the same standards, but we do recognize some standards. Right. 
Yeah, I think it's a good distinction. And I think oftentimes in both those categories, uh, the line gets blurred on social media, right? When for some reason, we feel like the walls come down. We feel like when we're just you know chatting online, that uh, whether we're talking to someone that is a Christian, <laughs> sometimes it can be a lot more uh, vitriolic. Uh, yeah. You know, one of the things that we've seen is, you know, Christians being just, you know, just awful online to other people. Yeah. Uh, and then we've seen that kind of so on both true. sides. So and so true. I think, you know, how we're, how we're viewed online, how we're loving one another, how we're communicating with one another uh, is really important. Uh, l- let's talk a little bit about uh, how Jesus and Paul uh, loved. How did how did Jesus love? What did love look like? Uh, you know, when Jesus was loving people, what did that look like? What are some examples you can think of? Uh, well, there's lots of examples. I mean, I think that Jesus in his ability to, to heal people. So we think about the multiple occasions where he's healing. So Jesus yep. loved people through healing them. Uh, he loved people through forgiving them. He loved people by spending time with them, by investing in them. Uh, you know, he spent time, you know, providing for their needs like food, uh, you know, manna from heaven. Right. So I think that Jesus models love all over the place. And so some might say, oh, but what about when he's flipping the tables over in the temple? That doesn't seem real loving. Right. I think what we're seeing there is the the wrath, the righteous mm. anger of God or the ra- righteous wrath of God in the flesh. Yeah. Right. And so he's flipping tables, but this wasn't like unrighteous anger. Mm. Um, you know, this was blasphemous what was going yeah. on i mean the, the 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 abuses that were taking place at the temple you were just seeing that it broke his heart and i think sometimes christians today don't have enough of a broken heart over the sin that we're mm. experiencing our culture has went so deep into depravity yeah and we're getting less bold as they go that route uh, we're compromising more we're we're kind of you know, almost buying into it. Uh, we're fearful uh, to stand up for Christ. I think we yeah. are starting to recognize that there'll be a cost for that. We might lose friends. We might not be accepted as much. So what you see Jesus doing is Jesus was straight up, uh, you know, he, he with the Pharisees or with the Sadducees. Yeah. I mean, he was loving, uh, but he would speak the truth. On the cross, we see him Talk about there, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He's making what did what Jesus pulled off on the cross. Think about this. Right, he's right. hanging from a cross. He's been beaten. And think about what kind of he does more ministry in the final moments of his life. Yeah. He forgives a thief on the cross. Right. He makes sure his mother's taken care of. Right. He says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Right. He hasn't given up on the Father. He's still praying. Yeah. And I'm going, man, this is still going on. I, you, a lot of people will be shut down by that point, right? Right, right. definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think we see a lot of those same things uh, in Paul and Paul's writings. Uh, but I think honestly, there was like a little bit of a different purpose. I mean, there's kind of, you know, Jesus's uh, main purpose was to be the mediator between man and, and God. And so that he had a very specific purpose. And then Paul is kind of setting up the church. So he talks a lot about more about policies. He's kind of, you know, drawing a lot more of those lines in the sand. Yeah, good point. Right. You know, so like, you know, this group of people in these actions, you're not being, you're not walking by the spirit in that sense. So I do think there was a little bit of a different purpose, which which makes it kind of confusing sometimes for people to look at, uh, you know, those two biblical characters and try to square some of that love. How, how would you add anything to that? Well, I just think it. We have to recognize that you know everybody's different. Some people mm. are more confrontive. Some people are more like a golden retriever. It's very difficult for right. them to confront. I think Paul definitely was the kind of guy that w- would speak up. I mean, he's. I mean, look, he rebuked. 
Apostle Peter. Right. right uh, and right. yes, uh, he was planting churches and he was having to address them. Uh, you know, he'd have been a tough dude to be around. But uh, let us not forget, too, like people get confused sometimes and think, oh, the God of the Old Testament is wrath and judgment, and the God of the New is, uh, you know, loving. It doesn't square. But I go, man, has anybody read uh, the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24 right. and 25? Has anyone ever read Mark 13? Has anybody read Jesus coming on a white horse? horse to mm. conquer. And when he comes on a white horse to conquer, he's still agape love, right. but he's going to bring about ultimate justice as well. Well, that's ex- an excellent point. We're going to talk about uh, Jesus's rebuke in uh, Revelation chapter two and chapter three in our next episode. So you want to make sure that you come back for that. You can do that by subscribing to our YouTube channel and you'll get notifications if you click that notification bell. And we will see you on the next episode of The Unapologetic Show. You've been listening to Unapologetic with Dr. Bobby Conway, the one-minute apologist. I am your host, Tim Hall. Be sure to listen to Bobby on Pastor's Perspective Monday through Thursday, as well as like, share, and subscribe to the One Minute Apologist YouTube channel, where we have over 1,000 videos. We would also like to remind you that this is a listener-supported program. We would greatly appreciate your support in any amount so we could continue to provide this ministry. If you would like to be a part of our team in any capacity, please visit our website at oneminuteapologist.com. And while you're there, check out all of Bobby's books, courses, and even invite him to speak at your church or event. Thank you for listening to Unapologetic, where we defend truth without compromise. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa.